Hi, I'm Katie Hampson and this is Rabies Today, a podcast produced by United Against Rabies with support from Dogs Trust Worldwide. Today, fight rabies, go local. In the last few episodes, we've looked at global and national issues around rabies control, including funding for rabies vaccines, rabies surveillance, both national and global, and policies around rabies and dog population management. All of that is critically important in the international fight against rabies. But every rabid dog lives somewhere. Every human rabies victim lives somewhere. And all those global and national policies have to be implemented somewhere. It's in the cities, towns and villages, that is, the local communities, wherever they are, that this work needs to be done. We'll be taking this deep dive with three people with extensive experience working with local governments and communities. First up, we have Dr. Kenneth Chewinga, who's the Senior Inspectorate and Regulation Officer from Veterinary Public Health in Zambia. And Dr. Kenneth is joining us from Lusaka. Good morning, Kenneth. Hi, everyone. Next today, we have Dr. Ray Del Napoles, who's Division Chief for Animal Care and Disease Control from Quezon City Government, a city of almost 3 million people in Metro Manila in the Philippines. Hi, Dr. Ray. Good day. And last up, Dr. Mary Ferdinandes-Wayne, who is the director of Ja'an Domestic in Indonesia. Ja'an is the Jakarta Animal Aid Network. Hi, Dr. Mary. Hi, Kathy. So obviously, local contexts vary widely, and we won't be able to cover every locality on the globe. But today, we're going to look at a few different examples. So I'm going to ask each of you first, Can you describe the relationship between people and dogs at your own local level and who looks after them? Kenneth. So primarily, we've got three categories. We've got dog owners that keep their dogs as pets. Then we've got another category that keep uh, dogs for hunting purposes. So for pets, we're talking about uh, urban communities. Then for hunting purposes, we're talking about the rural and the remote um, uh, communities. Then um, we've got a third category that use our dogs as uh, security, especially no home security. And who are the people who actually look after the dogs? Mostly it's the kids um, from the ages of, you know, 16 going downwards. These are the people that are in charge of looking after the dogs. Even when we go out to um, sending out vaccination campaign messages, these are the people that we target. So we target primary schools where there are kids. And most we use fixed point vaccination uh, criteria, where we just be at a fixed place, then people bring their dogs, we vaccinate them, and they take them back home. Okay, over to Dr. Mary. So in Indonesia, because we have so many diversities and also so many islands, and it's like 13,000 islands to be exact, so it's different based on the region. So there's a regions that people who are okay, uh, interactive, engaged with dogs, and some areas where they are really uh, prohibited, like in the Java areas. So there's some areas that are Muslim uh, that will be different than non 
Muslim areas like in the Sulawesi and Bali also because the majority of people is Hindu if it's in Bali and in Sulawesi is more Christian and because people are used to have uh, dogs as pet but in the, the Muslim areas religions and prohibited them to interact with the dogs. How, how about you, Dr. Ray? Is the situation very different in the Philippines? And does it vary much across the country? Well, the, the Philippines is made up of more than 7,000 islands. Um, but what is more challenging for me right now is working in a very highly urbanized center or a city where we're talking of more than 3 million population. And we found out that our dog population is an average of 24% of the human population with a minimum of 20. So I'm looking at 600,000 dogs and 30% of these are allowed to roam because it's still customary to most households to allow their dogs to roam at a certain times of the day. So there is the, the potential risk of rabies transmission along the way. So in the, in the work that we're doing against this dreadful disease, rabies, we've all got similar aims and hopes, but we live in very different places with different cultures and different politics. I would like to know what are the most important community issues that affect your work and what do you think makes your life easier and what makes your job a lot harder? Can I go back to you, Dr. Ray, to begin with? Well, the most difficult part in doing programs is when you are on your own, um, you don't get the support from the city health. They have their thing, we have our thing, and often than not, it's us who get notified first that there is rabies happening in the community and we will just let them know that you need to do your job to to get the post-exposure vaccination in the affected area or the affected families. So... It would have been better if you know we can work side by side. I think in the next weeks, there will be a national workshop wherein we will be asked to sit side by side with the local health officials to come up with a more united rabies programs. Because like uh, I think we are all in the same page, working for zero by 30, and we would want to make a stronger impact uh, on our effort. And I'm so proud to say, since I joined the city government two years ago, we have drastically reduced our human deaths. It used to be an average of eight to nine. Um, last year, we only had two. So I, I'm so happy for that. And I hope this year, uh, this year so far, it's the middle of the year, I have zero human deaths. So I hope I can sustain it all the year round. That's fantastic news. I hope that by the end of this year, we can speak to you again and find out if uh that you've made that target. And it's also really good to hear that there's kind of national planning where you really will be sitting side by side with your partners in the public health sector and can try and work together. Thank you. Let's go over to Dr. Mary. Do you have similar stories or are there very different challenges in Indonesia? One of the most uh, major issues in Indonesia that, you know, in some areas there are still dog meat trade and dog meat consumption. We did an investigation. We don't know that there is a massive, massive dog meat trade happening in Indonesia. So yeah, the hotspot of the dog meat uh, consumption is in central Java. Why is the dog meat trade is a problem? Because it contributes the rabies 
spreading because of the transportation. The area is rabies endemic, and they uh, supply dogs for consumption throughout areas that are non rabies endemic. Yeah. Um. Thank you. I'd like to move on now to Dr. Kenneth. Can you add a bit more about what are the local challenges in Zambia? One of the most important problems that we have is uh, that of lack of education. So what we do is when we go for mass vaccinations, before we start vaccinating the dogs, we gather the people that have brought the dogs and educate them on the you know, uh, rabies as a disease, how it's transmitted, the dangers that is not treatable and all those issues. So this comes from the background of, uh, you know, different cultures and traditions. So you find that, for example, in rural areas where they use the dogs for hunting, they have a belief, uh, a myth that uh, when you vaccinate the dog, it becomes lazy. It can't go after animals. It can't hunt anymore. So those are some of the myths, you know, we're trying to, to, to demystify. There's another myth um, where people think that when a suspected uh, rabid dog by someone, then if they get the fur from that dog and put it on the wound, that will, um, you know, prevent the occurrence of rabies in that person who has been bitten. So all those are myths that we are trying to demystify. And, um, you know, to go about that, we've realized the importance of using the agents in the communities. So these are people that have got influence. You know, we're talking about traditional leaders, we are talking about um, uh, local authority leaders, religious leaders. So these are the entry points for us into the community. And you find that when you enter through these people, it's very easy to mobilize the masses. And if you speak through these people, most of the times, the dog owners are better able to comprehend what you're trying to say rather than if it comes from you. We are very thankful to um, the Global Alliance for Rabies Control. Their tools have really helped us to uh, track the vaccinations and to direct our um, efforts to areas where we have least numbers of dogs vaccinated. We've also enjoyed using the courses that they offer, the online courses for free, courses like the Community Coordinator for Rabies uh, Certificate, the Animal Handling and Vaccination Certificate, the Rabies Educator Certificate. So what these have done for myself and my team is that they've refreshed our knowledge of how to link with the influential people in the communities so that we can get to their dogs without any difficulties. And really what we've also seen from this arrangement is that for sustainability purposes, it will be easier because the communities then will have owned the, the activities of vaccination. So lots of great things that really work. Are there any strategies that you found have, have just not worked for you and that you've had to, to pivot and change your, your plans? Maybe Dr. Ray? Yeah, um, the city government used to just randomly do vaccinations for the past five years. And I see that as a very inefficient use of resources. So what I did was to do a historical analysis of the data. I categorized the communities into high, low, and medium risk areas and focused my vaccination saturation in the high risk areas. And these areas are where, you know, we had human deaths and animal deaths. So I'm able to focus my resources and my manpower to be more effective in our mission to end rabies. How about you, Dr. Mary? Any more to add about challenges that you've faced and if you've found ways to overcome them? 
I mean, obviously, I can talk from the NGO side, but compared to years before, now the government is more uh, open to work and collaborate together with NGO. And for example, we often uh, collaborate and working together, especially for the animal welfare and also especially about the dog meat trade issues. But there is a rabies uh, outbreak in some islands. One of them is the, the Flores Island. And we have the meeting with the governor. Uh, he said that this lack of uh, manpower of people who can do the vaccination because they are so afraid because there is uh, some cases where the vaccinator uh, got bitten by the dog and die because of the rabies. So that's also really uh, a challenge and the obstacle, very big obstacle from the, the government. It's different if you talk about Bali because so many NGOs, so many stakeholders are really invest into that area because, you know, Bali is Bali. But not the other areas like the rural areas, like eastern part of Indonesia that rarely tourists uh, when there, so it's not like the priority list, but unfortunately, this year the cases also rises, and there's connected, uh, and there's so many issues over there. Yeah, you definitely raise the the issue that there are communities that can get really left behind. So the question is, can we still get to zero by thirty? And if not, and if you had a magic wand to wave, what is the one last thing that you really think? could make it happen in your local setting. Can I ask first, Dr. Kenneth? I very much strongly feel zero rabies by 2030 could happen. In Zambia, for example, recently we've had uh, three or so outbreaks and the response from the central government through the Department of Veterinary Services is almost automatic. You know, having a One Health concept that will be holistic, then we should be home and dry. Um, I think it has to do with more collaborative approach. And, and obviously we have, uh, you know, um, a non-traditional sponsor for our vaccination campaign in Kabwe District. We've got um, this uh, Action Auto Limited Zambia. It's a car dealership uh, dealing with uh, Isuzu Motors, so they're the official dealership for Isuzu Motors in Zambia. And from the period um, 2021, 2022, and currently 2023, They've uh, bought for us 8,100 doses of uh, rabies vaccine, plus fuel, plus needles, syringes, and all the other, you know, equipment, associated equipment for vaccination that you need. Brilliant, Kenneth. Absolutely brilliant. How about you, Dr. Mary? If there was a, a magic wand you could wave, what is the key thing you would like to see happen? To be able to collaborate more with the local NGOs and the local governments. I think that's the solutions and and the priority is also banning the dog meat trade. And lastly, over to Dr. Ray, what do you need to make this happen? Engaging your local chief executive is very important. Getting the buy-in from your municipalities, like my, my mayor has been very supportive of the program. Um, I'm enjoying the biggest budget in the in the veterinary department. So I'm very I'm I'm more than thankful to have that. And I have to reiterate and I think Dr. Mary has been very uh empathic on this part wherein we should be really strengthening our collaboration with our 
with NGOs on the ground because like there's no sense in repeating what they're doing best. Um, wishful thinking, like if I have the chance, I think what is a very ideal thing to happen is to see veterinarians, both in the government and in the private sector, working hand in hand, delivering the vaccines to the community and ensuring that we're able to do 80% vaccination of our dog population. I think that is the, the you know, that's the, the most ideal and I wish that I it could happen sooner because like that's the only way we can end rabies together. Fantastic. It's just been great to listen to you all. I think there's so many shared insights bringing on different NGOs, local organizations, and bringing in the private sector. It's really through working together that we have a chance of hitting the zero by 30 target. So thank you so much to all my guests, Dr. Kenneth Chawinga from Zambia, Dr. Ray Del Napolis from the Philippines, and Dr. Mary Ferdinandes Wayne in Indonesia. I really enjoyed speaking to you all today. Please remember to follow us on social media and share this podcast with your networks. It's available upon our website, unitedagainstrabies.org, and on all major podcast platforms. Just search for Rabies Today. Thanks, as always, to Dogs Trust Worldwide for making this podcast possible. And next time, we'll be having a conversation about rabies, dogs, and wildlife. I hope you'll join us. Bye for now.